Ladies and gentlemen, thank you all so very much for joining us live. I am back. My name is Sean Phillips, and today, as usual, on the Voice of Reason podcast, I am joined alongside my two co-hosts, Mr. Andy Van Beber, Travis Kirkendall, and today we have a very, very, very special guest, but he is not on the spectrum. Give it up for Mr. Matthew Edelman. How are you doing today, my friend? <laughs> he's not, on the, yeah, he's not yeah. on the spectrum. <laughs> He's not Thank you all this. for having me. It's always yeah. a pleasure to see you guys again. Oh my god! Thanks for coming back. Thanks for coming. Oh away. my god! I did. I should. I should have made a copy of his latest video. But if you haven't seen it, go do a search for Matt Edelman. And how did that go? By by the way, who ended up having the bigger penis and paying the bill? Uh, my wife, absolutely. Uh, every about every third time we go out to dinner, I forget my wallet, and uh, it's not on purpose. I, I oh. and so she just is like, again, here we go. Oh my gosh, that was <laughs> so. that was her line though. Uh, when she said that, I was just like, oh my gosh, she nailed him. She yeah, nailed him hard. Yeah. Well, she'll say like, let's go out to dinner, and I'm like, let's go, and I'm like, I'm out the door, you know. Mm-hmm. And then when the bill comes, I'm like, oh. <laughs> I don't have any money. <laughs> I did that on my third oh, date with her. Oh no, you didn't. No. Third date. Yeah. Third date. Oh my third god, date. Matt. That was not oh. good. And she kind of had to decide at that point if she was in or out on this. Oh my but god. Fast forward and here you yeah. are. And here we still are. Still happily married. Still <laughs> happily how long have getting you, your dinners paid for. How long have That's you been right. married? Three years. Wow, congratulations. That's great. Yeah, yeah. Mm. A little behind you, Andy. A little behind you. <laughs> well, you're a lot behind me, but that's okay. <laughs> when you get to when you get to 16 years, then you can just, uh, you know. Yeah. I mean, if you add up both my marriages, I'm close to 16. <laughs> so, hey, you got to add up both of them. Oh, yeah, you're right. Yeah. Close. yeah. I, Let's yeah. do a little bit of math. Matt, if you haven't, if you haven't heard, we, we, we secretly found out two weeks ago that, that Travis is married. So, I mean, he didn't, he's been married for two years and he, no, I'm not kidding. He, he, he's been married for two years and we just found out two weeks ago. Holy crap. Yeah. Yeah. How did that come about? Two years now. Oh, we finally just, we, it was our, uh, our coming out as, uh, Andy put it, we came out. Yeah. Yeah, Came out. All right. We were married. Oh my gosh. Uh, But yeah, we've been married over two years now. I have uh, I have so many questions, but I know we we we're time limited. But <laughs> I have questions. It is yes, oh it is a great god. long story. I'll have to share it with you, gentlemen. Okay, all right, deal. Oh my god, yeah, he, yeah, he. I was just like totally. I was like, I, I, I wanted to congratulate him, but I also wanted to say, dude, that's like a douche move. I mean, come on, <laughs> total douche move. I mean, you you tell us stuff like this, and you know, yeah. Oh my God! And here we are. So, Sean, we <laughs> met, we missed you greatly last week, Sean. But you, you know, when you got to help out the mer dog, you got to help out the mer dog. You so. missed out on some awesome technical difficulties that only the live feed viewers got to witness. It was awesome. It was fantastic. So, if you did, were someone's, live, did someone's ball pop out of their shorts or something? What was the no, technical that, difficulty? No, it was it was we my mic because I had mounted the mic on the wall and I had. I had uh, I had I had had my mic unplugged and only basically Travis only Travis could hear me and everybody's like Andy we can't hear you Andy we can't hear you Andy we can't hear you and I'm like Matt can hear me and so yeah it was it was great though fun times for all <laughs> oh. well yeah it 
We'll, we'll eventually get it figured out. Uh, today's probably not going to be the day, but I can assure you eventually this, this podcast won't stink. Um, just, just give us a little bit more time and right. we'll eventually get there. We're currently just waiting on one of us to uh, hit the lottery or marry Rich. I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that when Tony's book gets published, I don't have to do shit for the rest of my life. And then boys will have a good old setup. We'll, make it it'll be the cream creme de la creme and we'll have finally have made it off of her book so and, life is uh, and, life is looking up and you'll be able to smoke pot finally let me tell you i you'll be lighting the I biggest usually, you'll be lighting the biggest doobie in the world i will be like i said the day the day i can i will be higher than a giraffe's ass and i will make snoop dog look like an amateur all right it will be oh it will be God. the day the mm. day of days, but until Fantastic. it comes, um, Fantastic. we'll get the, the sober podcast. Right, uh, right. I it'll can, be yeah. all right. Yeah. yeah, the first time that you're high will be great. Yes, that'll be that'll be awesome. We'll have to we'll have to stream it live. Yes. Right here. Yep. On the podcast. Right. <laughs> no. Um. Well. Well. Yeah. I know it is. It is great to be back. And I again, I do apologize. Last week, so many things kind of shuffled and changed all at one time. Um. But we. It, I appreciate you guys uh, bearing with me and readjusting and getting it done. Um, I've, I've listened to pretty much everything, and I, I love the conversation you guys had. We had a good comment. Um, we we missed yeah. you on the UFC conversation part of it, but we knew that was your your forte. But it was we so. Oh we, yeah, with the with the ankle break and and all that good stuff. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, yeah. It's so crazy see. to see what's coming out about it now. Of how it was ar- the the already being injured and stuff like that, or is that being, yeah yeah was that being done to save face? You think or what? I I don't think so, and and mostly because like um his Connor's coach John Cavanaugh I, I followed for a while because there's other fighters that fight out of that camp that I I really do like, and John Cavanaugh is um, a pretty brilliant individual to to start from that's the unique thing about uh, the mixed martial arts community in Ireland. And the reason why I'm so close to it is just because that's where my roots are from. And um, quite literally though, that whole group, that team was like dirt poor individuals that built it from the ground up Mm -hmm. um, with like the Kremlin boxing club, the history that's there. And then with SBG literally being like a garage gym and turning into what it has turned into. Um, because of the success that the fighters have had is actually really cool. But John Kavanaugh even posted stuff out and he was like, shared photos that he had taken of Connor in a cast like two weeks before the fight with his ankle wrapped up x-rays like a week and a half before the fight, literally at the doctor going really? over the fractures that were in his leg. Yeah. 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 His coach, his coach uploaded those. And it's just like, yeah, but he's like, it doesn't, it doesn't matter what we tell this guy. He's he's gonna not it, gonna. Right. He's not gonna do it. And then yeah. it is just one of those funny things, though, because it's like, huh? If I had a broken ankle, and then the first thing I do is throw a leg kick five seconds into the fight, um, the cojones you gotta have on you to just expect the thing not to snap in half, especially just like when it's the game. Just it continues to get more dangerous as far as like the stuff that you know they, they're doing like the calf kick is relatively is a relatively new thing to mixed martial arts they're finding out like literally ways to go after pressure points and to just 
turn a leg off with, with leg kicks. Um, but then the unfortunate side is if it gets checked, that bad boy will snap. Right oh, okay. We're good. Um, We're good. Okay. So, okay. New topic. Oh my God. That I don't have, I mean, I'm good with, you know, I'm good with snakes, spiders, heights, the whole nine yards. But when you start talking about broken, I mean, just, oh, oh, oh. Mm. Hey, that is, that is the name, the name of the game. I, uh, I swear if I, I luckily, come to watch you wrestle and you break a bone while you're wrestling, I'm coming up there and kicking your butt. You know, thankfully, um, I, I've not, I will knock on wood that that has not happened. I actually just worked a show in Arkansas in Mulberry, Arkansas, uh, this past Saturday, it was a five hour trip there, five hour trip back. 10 hours in the car, but I went with some good buddies of mine, uh, had a blast in, uh, in that super small town. It's, it's, I would probably say 45 minutes to an hour outside of Fayetteville, Arkansas. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, uh, yeah, no, I, I was able, I had a great opponent. No one's leg face, anything like that broke. One of my buddies definitely got kicked right in the mouth and his jaw was pretty swollen uh, the entire time back. So, no, thankfully the worst injury I've had so far while in the ring myself um, was one of my buddies was jumping over the ropes and I adjusted so that he wouldn't completely fall to the ground and I ended up eating a foot right to the dome. Uh, was not the most fun I've ever had, but no, no complaints. So, so yeah. How, so, so uh, enough about the UFC. Enough about all that. How was how was everyone's weekend? You guys uh, do anything good? Do anything new? Matt, how about you? What did what did your weekend entail besides getting some free dinner? It sounds like. Yeah, I got a free dinner, and then uh, <laughs> spent some time on a long weekend with the wife, and then I uh, went down to Dallas, Texas uh, this week to see a friend of mine. So, drove down there, spent a few days with him, came on back. And how different is Texas compared to where you're at right now as far as, like, COVID and Cowboys? How's that going? Yeah, so the COVID in Texas is really starting to surge because they've kind of been laissez-faire about precautions and things like that from the start. Um, So, you know, I got a friend of mine who uh, just quit working at a hospital there. He just retired. And, um, you know, cases were surging the whole time and whatnot. So... It's pretty tough down there. Well, I don't know yeah. if you guys have seen or not, but in Missouri, the numbers are surging down in down in Springfield, in the Springfield in south uh, southwest Missouri. And I was reading an article the other day that said that only thirty percent of whatever I don't even know what county that is down there, but they said only thirty percent of that county in that region have been at least one shot vaccinated. And they say the Delta mm-hmm. variant is just running wild. And I was talking to uh, Matt and, and Travis about this. A friend of mine, you know, he, he, he has, he got COVID uh, last two weeks. And, you know, I talked to him yesterday and I was like, dude, why didn't you get, cause immunocompromised. I'm like, dude, why didn't you get the shot? Well, there's just not been enough research. And there's, a, I'm like, what are you talking about? You know, yeah, 150 million people have gotten this vaccine. And you've got 0.001% of these people who've gotten the vaccine have had any negative side effects, death, anything like that. And I mean, and I, I was, I had a student who, who messaged me on Snapchat the other day and she's like, 
I had said something about the vaccine or something, and she's like, I can't believe you got that. Didn't you hear about the doctor's daughter who's something, 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 something? I'm like, okay, where? what's your source? Well, I saw the story on, and it was like Instagram. Or, I'm just like, okay, slow down. You yeah. know, and it just, people are not, I mean, and what I'm hearing about the Delta variant is, is that, it, I mean, people are having, if you've had the vaccine, you're, it's like nine times out of 10, you're going to be asymptomatic. And if you do have any symptoms, they're not going to be as bad. So. Yeah, I, I have a, a family member who said the same thing about, you know, well, it hasn't really been tested. They don't really know what they're doing and how they make it. And we kind of went back and forth. But, you know, I mean, people who who don't want to take the vaccine, they're very, very convinced of their reasons regardless of where they heard it or what kind of story they heard, they are absolutely convinced in their reasoning. Yeah. And that it just makes it hard to have a dialogue. Yep. No, it does. Yeah, I mean, go, go ahead, Sean. No, I, I mean, I was just going to say, like, I'm the dumbest guy I know currently. So even if it, you know, made me dumber, um, there's, there's not a big, cliff to fall off of from where i'm already at so uh, you know it's either get get the rona or i don't know i have to remind myself to breathe in and out so it is it is what it is yeah yeah we already kind of touched on this topic and i'll just go back to saying you know that the, the most unfortunate thing about this whole vaccine issue you know it, it's such a politicized uh agenda stunt you know it's people have so much mistrust with it based off of their political beliefs and the stuff they see on, you know, social media, TV, whatever, you know, it's, it, it creates a lot of conflict, you know, on both sides or however you feel about it. So it's, well, I can already tell, I can already, I, I can almost guarantee you that next election season in about, you know, a year and a half, whenever that that's going to start rolling up again, we're going to see the commercials on TV. It's going to go one of two ways. It's, Senator so-and-so didn't want you to get the vaccine. Is that who we want to lead when our county led the state and blah, 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 Beta, you know, and then the other one, how many kids do you know with autism? All of them. Why? <laughs> because of the COVID vaccine that we were forced to have by democratic candidates that wander around this state. Is that a Republican campaign I hear? Yeah. Ah, give or take. Give or take. That's called the old. <laughs> that, that's the old Pike County special. Anyway, moving forward. So one of the one of the great topics that we kind of wanted to talk about because of, of how things are advancing and what you know seems to be a short span of time is uh, we were actually going to kind of nerd it up a little bit for you guys at the start of this podcast and talk a little bit about the marvel universe and again this is one of those things that i could there i could have a whole separate podcast about this uh, subject alone um however uh andy had, was talking to us about something that he had seen that uh, actually kind of created a little bit of an interesting dialogue so i'd, I'd hand it over to you andy and, yeah uh, let us know what you saw yeah well you know and what's really surprised me is my wife and during this She's really started nerding out to Marvel, much to my pleasure. Matt, don't say anything. Um, Thank you. 
<laughs> I knew that was, but I was, uh, what she actually, so she caught a hold of this podcast and she listens to podcasts while she works all the time. And I was upstairs listening to her while she was working and this guy came on there and he made a very valid point. And I, I, I've actually been saying this all along. Now, when you look at comic book nerdum, I am, if you look at, you know, rate it one to 10, 10 being the ultimate nerd and one being a, I'm about a five, five and a half, six on the nerddom scale. These guys who go really deep though. I mean, when you really get into the Marvel comics and, and, and Marvel has done a great job of being true to the comics and being true to the storyline and everything. But now they, when you look at it, they've introduced just about every, they haven't introduced, they're not even close to introducing every character, but they've introduced every major character. And so now, for those of you who have been watching the, the Loki series, Loki is delving into these multiverses, and I hope I'm not spoiling it for anybody, but this guy had this theory, and he said, where this is going, because they're talking about this with the new Spider-Man, the no way home, the no way home movie that's coming out i think it's this fall and then the doctor strange multiverse of madness next year that it's going to get so i don't want to say convoluted it's going to get so deep that it's going to start alienating viewers and they're afraid that a lot and i've heard this from multiple we've heard my wife and i've actually heard this from multiple places now that i think about it but there are a lot of these people are speculating man you're going to start alienating you're going to start losing viewership because people i think the reason why marvel has done so well over the last whatever it's been what was iron man i think was like 2008 i think and they're gonna they're afraid of they're gonna start losing viewership over this over this you know trying to go into multiple universes and multiple possibilities and and you know I mean, if you, I, I thought, I thought they did great job with Loki, and I, I liked One Division and uh, Cap, uh, uh, Winter Soldier and and uh, Falcon Winter Soldier. You know, they've done a great job, but it's all building into this thing where, if you haven't, you know, people who haven't, you know, who don't have Disney Plus and just watch the Marvel movies, I think they're going to be lost when they go into the new Spider-Man movie this fall, and they're going to be like, oh. What happened to our cut and dried thing? So I don't know. I thought it was an interesting. I mean, what? I mean, this is a really marvelous. I mean, they struck gold. I mean, when you look at the story of of the Iron Man movie and how it was almost going to, they almost casted Tom Cruise. Could you imagine Tom Cruise as Iron Man? Oh God! <laughs> the, I, I was reading a thing on Looper the other day, and they Looper said. Uh, they were showing all these people that had turned down roles for different Mar, and the one that stood out to me the most was Tom Cruise as Iron Man. And I was just like, that. I mean, they would have they would have shot themselves in the foot, you know. But you know that and how it was such a turnaround for uh, Robert Downey Jr. You know, after all of his drug problems and everything. Tell you what, if we saw a Tom Cruise Iron Man, I would want, I know, I would demand to see a Nicolas Cage Thor. Mm. Oh man, that almost came out my nose. They, they can't put that much sex into a movie. It's, uh, it's literally not, not possible. I mean, what do you think has contributed? What do you think has contributed the most to to Marvel's success? 
I mean, I mean, I mean, they they figured out the formula because before Iron Man, Marvel had put out movies. I mean, they, you know, yeah. they'd had the X Men and they had uh, help me out, Sean. They had Fantastic. Well, heck, they had Fantastic Four twice, and both of yeah. them were terrible. Both of them were terrible. Um, yeah. You know, and and they actually had a Hulk movie before the Incredible Hulk. They had a Hulk movie. I mean, so Marvel, you know, they had. X-Men had been the only thing that they had really, I don't want to say struck gold with. I mean, it was a, X-Men was a very limited audience, I think. But then you just, you know, they, when, when they hit with Iron Man, I, to this day, I still think Iron Man, I still think, and I, this is just me. I mean, I'll, I'll die on this mountain. I, to me, I still think Iron Man is the best Marvel movie that, that's ever been made, but. Hmm. I think the thing for me, I, as, uh, I mean, I love the Marvel movies, but I'm, I'm a casual fan is that, you know, when I go see a Marvel movie so far, anyway, they can, if, if you know the storyline and you, and you're familiar with it, you can see where each movie fits into it. But it, also, if you don't, they're just good standalone movies. I mean, they are in and of themselves, yeah. each movie, a story in and of themselves. Okay. And now they fit together with other movies, but if you don't know that, you can still go and enjoy the movie. Okay, so let me ask you this then, Matt, as the casual fan, if this element of the multiverse is introduced into a movie and you have to have a back, I mean, you it's like, what the heck are they talking about? I mean, is that going to be something that, when the, you know, if you, if you go see the new Spider-Man movie and it's like, they're talking multiverse, and you're like, well, wait a minute, what multiverse were, I, you know, not seeing any of the other stuff. I mean, would that be something that would be a deterrent from seeing further Marvel movies to you or? It, it might be. They would, they would really have to thread that needle of bringing along the casual fan like me and explaining what they're doing while not insulting the intelligence of the diehard fans. And I don't know that's, how they do that. That's, that's a, but I mean, that, yeah. that would be the, the, the mission of every movie, I would think, if you're wanting to make the most money and not just become an, a niche, um, you know, subset of movies for a, a small audience, you're going to have to thread that needle somehow. Well, and I, I, I don't know. I mean, you see, I, I'm, I'm just, I really worry because I, there's only been one Marvel movie that I've seen that I didn't. I mean, I, I watched, you know, it was Thor: Dark World, and you listen to a lot of the critics and. Thor the Dark World is probably one of the ones that don't get, you know, but other than that, I mean, I have, I have yet to, I watched, and I'm not going to, because I know you guys, Black Widow to me was, meh, you know, it wasn't terrible, it was like watching a female Jason Bourne is what it was like watching for me. And I've heard that, I've heard that comparison numerous times too. My my Uh, wife actually and I both said, yeah, we both said it the same. She's like, did we just watch? And we it was like, she's like, did we just watch a Jason Bourne? And I said, I was just thinking that. She's like, did we just watch Jason Bourne or something? It, I mean, but it wasn't bad. It was very good, and it was true to the comic, and it was, you know, you know, true to the Red Room and all this other stuff and everything. So, I don't know. I I, I really, Marvel has done a lot, and they've. I mean, every movie that they have, I guess, did they set? So they set the record with, was it with Endgame or with? Which one was it, Sean? It was with did they beat Titanic or did it or not Titanic? Um, Avatar did they beat that or? Mm-hmm. 
So it is the number one. Yes. So it's the number one selling movie of all time then. It so it overtook Avatar, and I'm fairly certain that James Cameron's a very petty individual. Yeah. They did a re-release of Avatar in China, and it made enough to take over the number one slot again. Oh, like, you got be- Endgame. Endgame one, and then Avatar got a re re release in China for a little bit, um, and then it became number one. Now, I, I but it's literally like one of those things where I'm sure that you know if if they put Endgame back in theaters for a month in the states now, it would overtake it again. It, it's just one of those things that it's Disney owns both products, so they really don't care uh, either <laughs> either way. Um, so there's there's a couple things that I the success of Marvel. Um, so Marvel's a little bit of a tricky piece, um, and the reason why is because of how the rights were distributed. Um, Marvel, when it comes to the cinematic to the film universe, is divided into three, technically now two, but was at one point three different. Uh, organizations there was marvel that no films were made your captain america your thor your black panther the, the disney marvel that we know today then you have your fox which was x-men silver surfer fantastic four fox bought the exclusive rights for a period of time for those individuals and then there's sony who specifically bought spider-man they owned the, the spider-man universe the spider-man villains uh, the reason why that was because Marvel had this umbrella and they just had these characters that they weren't sure how to necessarily market correctly, but there was a demand at the time during the 90s for X-Men and for Spider-Man because Spider-Man is just one of those marketable things. Sony had the money. They, they owned the rights. That's where Disney comes into play. And a man by the name of uh, Kevin Fain is the most important factor into the Marvel Cinematic Universe. The way that I I like to explain it is, I don't want to nerd out too much and compare the two, but there's a big difference between Marvel and DC. Marvel, there are big-time comic nerds that are really into the comics that some of them don't like how the movies have gone. But here's here's what I got to say. Marvel movies are extremely cookie cutter. If you have seen one Marvel movie, you have pretty much seen all the other Marvel movies. That's done for a reason. Okay. There's a reason behind it. And it is solely uh, just to literally formulate more viewers, right? What's so unique about Marvel is they did take characters that people just didn't care about and made movies like Black Panther gross over a billion dollars in its first month of being released right there they found a way to tell a linear story which is the most important thing look at other big franchises like harry potter is a linear story there's eight movies that from start to finish it's just good not all the movies are great but collectively it's all about the collective same with like um star wars right it's a collective. That's why there now there's others like 
you know, Empire is regarded as like one of the best Star Wars movies now. At the time, it was like when it first came out, people didn't like it. But Star Wars as a collective, with the exception of the last three that Disney made that were a part of that universe. However, after that flub, guess who now is in charge of the Star Wars universe? Kevin Fain. So there's hope. There, There is hope in the galaxy again that they will right some wrongs. Um, but take a look at like, like, so, so you, you know, Andy, you talk about how people might feel alienated because they are going to go all over the place. And, and quite literally, um, word, word on the street is this next Spider-Man movie is going to have Andrew Garfield, which yep. was a different Spider-Man, and Tobey Maguire, which right. is a different Spider-Man. Right. Um, here's why it works, though. <sighs> if you go back, if you watch Endgame, if, if pretty much any of the main Avengers movies, if you go back and watch any of them, most of them do a bit of a recap without actually doing any kind of a recap. If you take the first half hour of a lot of those movies, usually they talk about what happened in the last movie. Right, right. They literally spend the time setting the scene as to why they're in the position that they're in. Um, and you know, when it comes to, like you said, you know, well, what about casual fans and all this? I can almost guarantee you the start of that, you know, the Spider-Man movie that comes out, something is, there will be a callback to Loki and enough of one to make it make sense um, for for casual viewers that haven't watched the show. Um, but, and, and that's the thing too, is because there are casual viewers that, you know, uh, th- again, it, it goes one of two ways. There's casual viewers that are like, you know, I, I'm not going to go out and watch Disney Plus. However, there's going to be a lot of people that like, you know what? Screw it. It's five bucks a month. I want to know the storyline. I'm going to mm-hmm. go. I'm going to get Disney Plus, and I'm going to do it. You know. Um, oh, it's been a marketing. It's been marketing gold for them because Disney Plus has come along, and and like you said, it's just. I mean. Because people like me and my wife who are, you know, who have, who like getting into these side, you know, these side stories with Marvel have, you know, we just eat it up. I mean, my wife is, mm-hmm. she's, she's an insomniac anyway. And so like when she can't, she'll be up, you know, when Loki comes out on Wednesday night, she's up at midnight anyway, on Wednesday, you know, watching it. Yeah. And, and she's hit, and I mean, and it's just, it's like, okay, if that, you know, if that's what you need to do, okay, go for it, you know? Right. Well, and want to know what's crazy too is like there's going to be a lot of speculation, and we won't know until it comes out. But I, the amount of people that will go see that Spider-Man movie if they hear Tobey Maguire and Andrew, oh, oh my gosh, they're going to blow the they're going to blow the lid off. Yeah, um, I, I legitimately think that movie has a really good chance to be in the uh, behind the two Avengers movie because it goes Endgame and and, uh, Infinity War are the two highest grossing Marvel films of all time and I genuinely think that this Spider-Man movie could be the one that bridges that because because look at look at DC for example where they've gone wrong is there's executives that just wanted what Marvel had without taking the time it took Marvel over a decade oh, yeah. to get to the one story. And look at what we still have to come now. Like, 
because everyone's going crazy because again i don't want to spoil anything but there's a really major character introduced into loki at the end of it yeah but what loki has done has set it up to where the main version of that character that everyone's excited about we might not see for a decade that's a very real possibility because of how much they can do with it and that's why it works. They give you so much time to absorb the content. Everyone knew who Thanos was because they gave us ten years to find out who he was. And they put him DC, in, on the other hand, and they put him has in, been like, yeah. They, they, yeah, DC was just like, we saw the Avengers, we want to do that. Uh, skip building anything together. Nope, nope, just put it all together. So, I think Marvel's done a very good job of not alienating because, like there's one or two of the Marvel movies that I actually have not seen. And I still feel like I'm not stuck behind anything. I, you know, um, and, and to put it in perspective, like, look, th- think of how unique it is. That that's how powerful it is. Black widow during COVID time. I don't know. We're getting out of COVID, but did $180 million already since it's came out uh, in the States alone. Mm-hmm. And, Black Widow is, you know, people might say like the weakest Avenger, you know, just like it it literally is a female lead superhero movie, 180 million in the United States for a prequel movie. Like everyone already knows she died in the main movies. Like this is just something that happened before everything. So it's just like that is the power of what Marvel and Disney have have put together as a bit from a business standpoint. Well, and I want to go back to that thing you said about DC. I mean, DC, and how many times have, you think about how many times has DC done Superman? How many times have they done Batman? How, you know, where DC hit, I think the gold that they hit with was the Wonder Woman. The Wonder Woman movies, I think, were were well done. The Aquaman movie was well done. But then when they come out with, you know, then the whole Justice League and the Zack Snyder cut and just all, all, I mean, I mean, I love Zack Snyder, but I mean, that's four hours of my life that I'll never get back, you know, because that I, 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 and I wasn't crazy about the first Justice League movie, but I, and I hate to say this, but I liked that, that, that movie better than I did the, the other one, but it was just, you know, they, like, I agree with you 100% Sean, they, they try to rush that so much that it wasn't even funny. So what is, as, as a casual comic fan, what is the demographic of people who gravitate towards Marvel versus DC? Because I know that, that you have fans on both sides and they're pretty fierce in their allegiance. And one will say, you know, Marvel's the best and the other side says DC's the best and they all have their arguments. But do do they each appeal to a different type of individual or because because they do seem very very different in how they handle their their characters so if if you ask people that are really like really into comics that watch any comic content that's put out the argument as of the the modern era with the exception of and again even a lot of hardcore comic book fans didn't really care for the christopher nolan trilogy a whole Mm. lot um which in my opinion is the best Yes. Superhero. But and so uh, the argument's always been DC uh, has the better animated 
work that they put out. They 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 do very very well with the animated stuff that they do because it's a lot truer to the con- to the comics. Here's here's my take. I think we should be happy when we get any kind of um, mainstream comic success because a lot of people say comic books are for nerds, and it's like the number one grossing film of all time is a comic book. What are you talking about? Um, but here's the thing. And I, I hate sounding like this because I love art. I love all forms of art. Um, but when you take movies like the Snyderverse or, or Zack Snyder's movie, Zack is an artist. He likes to make artistic films. The yeah. issue is there's a fucking time and place to do that. <laughs> and you don't do that when it comes to such a unique franchise that right. could literally be the next Marvel. If they would have just done it right, if they, again, I hate saying it this way, but if they would have quote unquote cookie cuttered the DC universe or even tailored it in their own cookie cutter way, the issue is you have the suicide squad, you have wonder woman, you had Aquaman, you had justice league. That's all the same universe, but they're all done completely differently. And then that's what leaves people very confused because they're Mm -hmm. like, this movie ha- wasn't anything like this movie, but they're related. Uh-huh. Well, that doesn't make sense. And then another thing that Marvel did was all their TV shows were connected to the movies. Whereas DC has like, we got a different Flash show. We've got an Arrow show. We've got this. Mm-hmm. Those characters don't matter. They're not real. They're their own thing. We've got these characters. I mean, literally, like, they and, have the, and who, I'm excited for it. But they've got Robert Pattinson playing Batman, and it has nothing to do with any of the other yeah, stuff that we've on. seen. So are these yeah. all are those all separate? Are those all separate production companies then, John, with DC? It's it's it's, it's still Warner Brothers because Warner so Brothers Warner, owns Warner Brothers owns it. But I mean, is it who then? Is it's not like you said with with Kevin. Uh, uh, Feige? It's not under the yeah yeah yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's it's different it's a different entity entirely yeah yeah it's the flash that's on the CW has nothing to do with like yeah. anything that they're doing and that's that's part of the issue is is people are confused as to like well why should I care about this show and there's another show that's on HBO Max that's called DC Titans that's has nothing to do with either universe and it has nothing to do with and they said any of it and they're saying that that has been one of their biggest from what i've been seeing what i've been i've been watching a, it's a great show and it has nothing to do with any of it yeah. you know i think god dc is such a mess because like like we talked about like they're just all so all over the place and like every film is like its own thing you can't yeah it's not like the marvel comparison where you know if you've seen a, a couple of the Marvel movies, you kind of have an idea of everything that's going on. You can miss one and you're okay. Whereas, you know, if you watch Justice League and you didn't watch Batman vs Superman, and you're like, what the hell is going on? Right. And an issue what they got now with this new Batman, I mean, Robert Pattinson and whoever that director is, they're they're never going to work with each other again. It was a huge shit show that putting that film together apparently. So now they really? have the issue of like, okay, what are we gonna do with Batman after this? Because Robert Pattinson's not coming back. So it's God. DC is. I I love DC. Uh, I just love their storylines, and I love the characters a little bit more than Marvel. Mm-hmm. Uh, but man, the, the production work and like what the, I don't. They, it's like they have no direction. Yeah. And our one of our faithful listeners, Colby Coleman, <laughs> is mentioning the whole thing about Suicide Squad. 
So is this Suicide Squad? Is this is this a redux of of? I mean, Suicide Squad's not that. It's, I mean, it's a sequel. It's a sequel to the one that came out already. So it is because the only two they have they have uh, Harley Quinn and the guy who's the the uh, military Scott Eastwood's character. Yeah, yeah. So again, that just goes. So if if you are familiar at all with the Suicide Squad comics, I recommend you you do. They are amazing. Um, people rotate out of that comic pretty quick. Um, however, however, casual fans don't know that, and so when you just introduce an entire new lineup and um, don't build off what you had, like, and that was you know part of the issue too is again. If the the first Suicide Squad movie, and I, I hate just nerding out so hard, but again, when you want to build these characters, if you want to throw them all in the same film, fine, but make it a story to make sense that they become a cohesive unit in a way. But what DC did was like, let's take these characters that a lot of people don't know most of them, and they have to save the world uh, because the Justice League isn't ready yet because literally it was an end of the universe end of the world event in the first suicide squad um look at any of the first marvel movies all of the villains and stuff were pretty like regional to that character it wasn't end of the world it was kind of like let's settle it here and let's build something off of it dc does not understand what that means they go balls to the wall and then like you said there's an entirely new cast for this next movie Mm -hmm. And people are like, why? And it's just because they don't know. There's not been any kind of story in between that has explained to why. Literally what they'll probably do is the start of this movie will be there and they'll be like, everyone else died. So yeah, bring in. That's exactly what I'm, that's what that's I'm exactly. expecting. Exactly what I'm so, Anyway. Yeah. yeah. So, well, for you, uh, you know, elite nerds, there is, uh, I listened to probably a year ago, there's a podcast called Business Wars. And they do a series on two different businesses and their history. So they'll do like Coke versus Pepsi, Nintendo versus <laughs> Sony, something like that. Um, and season three, I just looked it up because I listened to it, is, is Marvel versus DC. And it talks uh, about what that podcast is about is about how the two corporations started and compete and how they evolve and how one bests the other or, or doesn't. So three of business wars is Marvel versus DC. It's a really good uh Podcast. Interesting. Yeah, I'd be interested to listen to that. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. So, uh, I guess we move on then. Travis, you had released a, you, we, we, and for those of you who, who join us from time to time, we have Travis, Sean, and I have a group chat that we just, we throw stuff at each other all week and, and, uh, 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 a statement this week by our DHS secretary, and I want to get his name right, Ali Murakis, which sounds very Greek to me. Uh, he says, he threatens fleeing Cuban refugees. Allow me to be clear, if you take to the sea, you will not come to the United States. Again, I repeat, do not risk your life attempting to enter the United States illegally. You will not come to the United States. And... Travis, I don't know if you wanted to say anything about what your statement was, or if you remember all what you said in our group chat or not. But I mean, what what what's your thought as far as this statement towards Cuba versus 
everything as far as immigration goes towards everybody else? You know, my, uh, without going on a rant that I did with you guys, because this, this topic really hits home for me. Um, but please do. You know, it, it, we talk about, we, this is a subject that we've really hit at with, you know, politicians saying something and then not acting on it. It's a recurring theme that happens over and over again. And we always, immigration's what's the same thing. I remember the last administration back when, you know, Venezuela, I think what year was it? It was, I don't know, but when Venezuela was all over the headlines and people were fleeing, trying to flee the country, and they still are, by the way. It hasn't Seven, that. So that was 17. That was 17. Mm-hmm. And then there was all these news articles, you know, President Trump was saying, you know, we, we support Venezuela. We're here with Venezuela. We're going we're gonna to help the Venezuelan people. We didn't whatever we did, it wasn't near enough. We did nothing. And I can say that because I personally uh, was involved with a family from Venezuela. Uh, my wife is from Venezuela. Uh, my mother-in-law and my sister-in-law are still in Venezuela and they have no way of getting out of Venezuela. We've done nothing for those people. They've applied for, my sister-in-law had a, uh, a visitor visa and she requested a student visa. Now, history on my, my sister-in-law, she's a dentist in Venezuela. And she applied for a student visa. And when she went to the U.S. Embassy, she paid the fee. I forget what it was. And she said, well, I want to come to the United States. I want to study uh, dentistry here. Um, I'm a dentist here in Venezuela, but I want to better my career. I want to, I want to work in the United States. I want to become a dentist there. And they say, no, that sounds suspicious. Give us your, uh, give us your visa leave took her money took her visa and told her to leave the embassy no explanation as to why just said it was suspicious she applied again um i think it was less than a year later i forget she had to go to somewhere else to apply for it paid the fee gave all the documents for it uh almost immediately denied her didn't give her money back told her to leave different u.s embassy so to this for me personally, seeing this happen and to hear on you know the news that our president coming out and saying, oh, we support those people. Personally, I haven't seen any support for those people. I haven't seen a plan to help people who can really become contributing members of society in this country. I have not seen any kind of programs or any kind of initiative to give them asylum and to give them work visas and to help them come to our country and legally come to our country legally and contribute and help them. They want, they want to leave that country for good reason. And I think we're seeing the same thing in Cuba. I mean, the people are desperate. Like there's, you can look up videos. There's people literally on boats, like, like desperately trying to get to the United States. And President Biden recently came out and said, oh, you know, we support the people of Cuba and we're going to we're going to help them. And I'm, it's like I'm seeing the same thing play over again that I saw with my family in Venezuela. I, I don't see a support. I see we're, we're just checking the box and saying we're going to do something, but then we're not going to do anything at all. And, you know, there's the border crisis going on. And quite frankly, I don't really know. I, I've told you guys, I don't really know what the right answer is to this issue because there's a lot of factors that come into it. 
there is a legal process. And personally, the legal process, in my opinion, needs to be updated because it, it takes a very long time. People don't realize how hard it is to, be, to get legally come to this country and get get a citizenship and get permanent residence. It's very, very hard well, can I, uh, to even get a student visa. It's very, very expensive. But please, go ahead. I was going to say, okay, so as in with my connection with this too, so there are there are a number of different ways to get in to the United States, all of which are time consuming. Yes. All of which now to us, okay, so for a standard for your standard citizenship application fees and everything we we had to do was seven hundred dollars per kid. Now, when you look at peak countries like Venezuela, like Mexico, like these third world countries Seven hundred dollars is pretty much, I would say, an equivalent to a year's salary. Okay, so you're trying to tell, and you know, people's like, "Well, it's not that hard to get in the United States." Well, <laughs> basically, so there's so, and here's how I remember: there's basically five different steps. And you, Travis, you mentioned a couple of them already. First of all, you have to you if you want to you have to apply for naturalization. And it was different for us because we were adopting the kids, but we still had to do that, okay? Then you have to go through the whole biometrics thing, which is fingerprints, uh, background, all this other stuff. And, again, depending on where you're at, I mean, I'm sure Mexico, I'm sure Venezuela, the idea of biometrics being done honestly and being done efficiently is probably impossible because of you probably have to do all of this under the table money you know and then you then you go through your citizenship interview and uh, if you're in mexico or venezuela or wherever you have to do this at your embassy now for us it was different because again the adoption process but you still have to go through an applicant interview process and that part alone that for us was the longest part Okay, it was actually shorter for Bryson, but it was longer. It was longer for Briley. It was like four months to get all the paperwork filled out, and then you have to fill out stuff between your embassy and their embassy, and just all this different junk. And then, then you have to wait. And then after the ex after the interview, you can wait up to again another four months to wait for the answer. Once they go through the, once they go through the, once they go through the process, and then you know, then they then they schedule you for you have to take you cannot become a citizen. Well, again, unless you're like an adopted child, you cannot become a citizen until you take the oath of allegiance. Okay, and so you're what you're looking at on the short end. I'll say this for Br Bryson was unusually short. We, we got him here from the time we got his paperwork to the time we got him home. It was 13 months. Unheard of. Briley was, uh, I want to say, 16, to, uh, 16, 18 months, somewhere in there. Okay? I have heard of, uh, and you guys, you Sean and Travis, you guys know the families in our district who adopted from Russia. Um, those 
those took up to, I want to say it was almost two or three years for them. And so people wonder, well, and I mean, I get people, I mean, what's your take though on the whole anti-immigrant thing that we have going on here within the United States now? Well, I, mean, we're, I just wanted to ask Matt real quick, because I know he um, has several illegal child labor um, rings that he runs. So um, <laughs> I just wanted to know how you were able to, you know, make it happen so quick. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, I've got right. a winning, I've got a winning smile <laughs> and a charming personality. God. And then I just, I just show my six pack abs. And hey, I just hey, escape. Hey, hey. Yeah. So what is your, what is, <laughs> what is the ethnicity like down in Louisville though? Seriously though, Matt, what, what kind of, I mean, do you guys, are you guys pretty diverse down there or what do you, what do you see a lot of in your line of work? Yeah, there's actually a surprising amount of diversity here. Um, you know, we have, you have your, your whites and your blacks, of course. And then um, we've got a pretty strong um, Vietnamese population, um, pretty good uh, population of people from like uh, Somalia, um, and other African countries that come over and because we're always having to use our iPad for translators. And some of them, uh, we've had a couple of instances of people who speak languages that are not on the translator. Mm -hmm. list. There's like 50 something languages on, on there, you know. Mm -hmm. um, Kentucky and Louisville in particular is pretty bad about human trafficking and especially around Kentucky Derby time. I think I mentioned that last time I was on. Mm -hmm. uh, and so we've got a pretty strong uh, melting pot. And I think a lot of that played into the, the race riots of, of last year. It wasn't just African-Americans feeling, uh, you know, that they were experiencing an injustice in all these other pockets throughout, throughout Louisville. When, I mean, Louisville too, um, being a college town, a rather large college town too is, is a big factor. Cause even me living here in Jeff city, it's it's funny to me because I never really considered like Columbia, Missouri, a diverse town by any stretch of the means. Um, but it's funny because some of my friends that have lived in Jeff City for a long time, they talk, you know, like, oh, we don't like Jeff City. Like, we like Columbia because Columbia is diverse. There's diversity in Columbia. It's kind of like, what? But then the more I kind of think like, well, yeah, being, being the a large college town and then you know the same thing with kentucky as far as in in states like that where there were the rural community is um, generally about one type of population when you do have those big cities all of the people from you know that um, those different races groups and backgrounds kind of all head to that melting pot and, and it makes sense that louisville would actually be a spot like that in kentucky so, yeah, and Louisville's got not only University of Louisville, but about three or four other colleges and universities that mm -hmm. you don't hear about, but they're they're sizable here. Yeah, I think that when you look back at, and I was, <laughs> and I, I've ta I teach this every year in U.S. history, and again, the common recurring theme that we have here on this show is about how history does repeat itself. The fact that this anti, you know, and they, they, they labeled Trump as well, you know, he was this and he was that. And although some interesting things did happen under Trump, when you saw, when you saw Trump, for example, you mentioned visas a while ago, Travis, 
under Trump, and this I did this research this afternoon. I was not aware of this until I did this research. Under the Trump administrations, the cost of visas application fees rose 80% under his administration. Okay. Now, when I look back, and, it, and it's been both sides of the aisle, when you look back, we had a strong anti-immigrant movement in this country, 19-teens, 1920s, um, especially during World War I. Um, we had the Immigration Restriction League. We had the, um, uh, oh, what was it called? Um, the Nas Nationalist Party. People who were so you know, anti-immigrant, they wanted, and they put, and at that time, that Republican Congress pushed, Rose, or pushed uh, Wilson to put in a literacy test that if you couldn't read in your own language uh, that you weren't allowed to come in, they set up immigrant quotas, um, I think it was, I forgot how, but these immigrant quotas that they set up, which favored Northern European nations rather than Eastern European nations. And so, and I mean, people act like this is a new thing. We've, we've yeah. been fighting this immigrant battle for years. And, you know, and you mentioned uh, the folks coming across from Cuba. I, you know, I still remember as a young child in kindergarten and watching the struggles. And, I mean, it was a nightly thing when I was growing up. My, of course, my parents watched nightly news and seeing stuff about the Vietnamese boat people who were coming after the Vietnam War, after the communists had taken over all of Vietnam and just the persecution that was going on there and people from Cam Cambodia who were getting on these... I mean, for lack of a better term, just like car. I mean, I, I think cardboard boxes would have floated better than what some of these guys came over on. And they came to, you know, they would come to the Philippines because at the time the Philippines were still a U.S. held territory. Uh, they were fleeing to Malaysia. They were going to anywhere they could. And, you know, and we, we've seen this with Cuba before, too. And I... I I, I I have I there's part of me that says okay we have to be we do have to monitor who's coming here but at the same time if we're going to do the like you said Travis I mean if we're truly going to do political asylum let's do political asylum I mean conditions in Venezuela and you know this better than I do Travis but I mean conditions in Venezuela are hellish I mean how stuff that is in short supply stuff that they can't get you know uh oh yeah we well we occasionally send care packages to her mom and sister all the time just the stuff they can't they can't get there can't afford i i mean i this i, I told kids this too and and i i mean again we kind of joked around about this before the podcast about doing you know, if we ever did a live at some place in Pike County, we'd do an anti-Trump rally or something like that, and we'd probably get assaulted. But I told the kids back when Trump was running, the statement, make America great again, is a nationalist statement. That is a nationalist statement. That is a true statement of nationalism. When you say, make America great, make, you know, an America first, that was... And that actually had been a, that was a slogan back. And I told the kids that that was a slogan back in the twenties with, with dealing a, after world war one, everybody's like America first, we're not going to worry about, you know, we're going to put our blinders on. We're going to 
just pretend like the rest of the world is going to hell in a handbasket and we're okay with it because we've got our problems of our own. You know, I mean, people don't realize, and this is a nerddom coming out, but I remember this, this saying from Star Wars, you know, we all, and it actually is true. We all live in a symbiont circle. Because, you know, what goes around comes around. What if you, we, we are such, we are so internationally connected anymore that we cannot just sit back, plug our fingers in our ears and say, oh, well, we've got all these problems here in our own country that we need to be worrying about. True, we do. We have tons of problems that we should be worrying about in our country. But at the same time, everything else is tied together. You know, this whole thing about, well, let's be friends with our neighbors and let's, you know, one thing I did agree with Trump on was being, you know, aggressive towards, you know, countries like North Korea being, you know, but now we're doing this namby pamby approach. And like he said, he, I don't think Trump did stick to his guns about Venezuela, you know, oh, we're going to help. Okay. Let's do something. Let's do something, you know, but the reason why, and maybe you know this, maybe you don't know this. The reason why we aggressively don't go after Venezuela, anybody want to take a stab at it? Russia, China. Part of it. There's another reason. Venezuela is our leading oil producer who we buy from. Venezuela. Still? And, yes. Venezuela, people don't realize that Venezuela is one of the leading members of, of OPEC. And we, I mean, Venezuelan, I mean, Venezuela is where we get our oil at the cheapest. You know. So I mean, and that opens yeah, up. And that I'm not opens... proposing. Go ahead. I'm not proposing us to like uh, intervene military. I mean, we, we it's not like I'm that, saying like yeah. we need to send troops. Yes, but like it's like okay, so we say we're going to help. Okay, why not? Why not allow the people to come? I mean, I'm not saying just you know bust them all in. Let's go. I mean, I, you know, there's there's a legal process, and I think we could have done a better job than maybe like, hey, this is a real crisis. We need to develop a solution for this crisis to help these people. Like, I think, I just feel like there could have been more done to help the people, not necessarily go after the government, but help the people that really wanted to help and uh, would would love the opportunity to be here and would work and would, you know, we had this, you know, one theme I'm always seeing is, well, we got to take care of the American people. You know, we got to keep the American people working. I don't know about, where are you gentlemen? Um, where did it, what it's like where you gentlemen are at? But there is help wanted signs everywhere here in Chicago, everywhere. And we have a huge labor shortage right now. And it's like, why not give the opportunity to people that are desperate? They like America is, and I said this in our group chat when I was going on my rant, you know, the U.S. is literally a beacon of hope. It is a beacon of light to people in the world. People want to come to the United States because of the opportunities that are here. And we're seeing a similar issue in Afghanistan right now with our interpreters. I mean, when I was over there, you ask any one of those interpreters, you know, where do you want to go after you're done with your, when you're done with being a Turk? All of them wanted to come to the United States. Every single one of them, they want to go to California. They want to go to Texas. Like their dream was they, they wanted to be interpreters. So they had a chance to come to the United States of America. And now there's a huge issue with giving them asylum to come to the United States and the Taliban's going after these guys right now. And it's like, you know, we, we made promises and we didn't follow up with it. And it's, it's the same thing I'm seeing there too, you know, and it's, these are people, you know, people say, well, they're from that part of the world. It doesn't matter where they're from. 
These are people that want to come here and they want to be, they want to start businesses. They want to work here. They want to create better lives. And they, they made sacrifices to do it. They were helping our military and they don't, we just turn our backs on them. And I think that, I mean, the United States has a history of turning their backs on the people that help them in wars. I mean, you go back to when, you know, the army is fighting Native American tribes and you would have Native Americans serving as scouts, as interpreters, um, people uh, as guides with the understanding that they're going to be made citizens and they're going to get paid this and that. And they betrayed them. They betrayed the same type of interpreters and helpful people in, in Vietnam uh, when they got out of there. Uh, we, we betrayed the Kurds in Iraq. And now we're looking at, you know, doing this in Afghanistan with the interpreters. I mean, I, I mean, we've had hundreds of years of betraying people and not following through on our word. And I think that, um, you know, anytime I hear on the news, the government say or make a promise, we're going to do this, we're going to be, we're going to do that. Um, I hope that that it's true, but there's been enough instances where they have not followed through that I, I take it with a big grain of salt. And, you know, if, if I, if I could tell, if I was an interpreter, I would certainly hang my hat on the hope that they would come through. But just looking at the history, it's a pretty checkered history of whether we actually follow through on the promises we uh, make after a conflict is over or after the help has been received. Yeah, that, I mean, that literally goes back to Revolutionary War. Like you said, I mean, quite literally, like, thanks for the help, France. You need us? No. Uh, right. No. Kiss, oh, yeah. Kiss, like, what was it? The yeah. French Revolution? We yeah. didn't go help them at all. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, um, and I, I don't know. It, it, again, I think, you know, we're, we're all in agreement on um, it just it needs to be easier and definitely less time consuming with the way that technology is like it's fairly easy to find out what people are all about uh, relatively quick you know you can be denied a credit card in 45 seconds and you know you're able to do that from your phone um, there's so many different things that we can do and even like looking at you know bringing someone over on a work visa is impossible and it's funny too because this is something that I had looked into recently for uh, a friend. However, whenever it comes to the application process, you have to prove that you um, have tried to hire American citizens a whole bunch that you actually gone and reached out. But it's like, look, look at the help. Like, like we talked about, look at the help wanted signs. Americans don't want to work. Um, and, and and that's a conversation that could go on. Well, you know, are the wages too short? Does it have anything to do with the stimulus? I mean, we haven't gotten a stimulus in God knows how long. And now that, I mean, it, it's 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 a sad truth where once the, I, I know for a fact, I know individuals that, um, I mean, you know, more power to them, took advantage of the um, the extra cash that was coming in for unemployment. And then it, it wasn't until like in Missouri where the governor announced we're knocking that federal benefit away where they were scrambling to try to find work out of, you know, but they were, they were fine. They didn't need the extra money. They, they knew that they were comfortable for a long time. And, uh, 
I couldn't tell you the last time I went to a restaurant where there wasn't a sign that quite literally said, we apologize for any wait times you have. We are short staffed. Well, we, I mean, we, it's ridiculous. We usually, uh, part of our Sunday routine after churches, we usually get Subway when we lived over Pittsfield. Well, here in, so here in Louisiana, I thought, okay, I'm going to order off the app. And Louisiana wasn't on the Subway app and thought, oh, I'll just order it at the store. And I went down the Louisiana Subway here in town this last Sunday, and it basically said we are going to be closed basically every Sunday in July because we cannot get enough staff to work the weekends. And I was well, put it, I'm, I'm when, like, I, when I was the general manager at the bar in Eolia, that first stimulus check, uh, our, our head cook quit because they got the stimulus money. Um, we had there, there were times where you know, I, I like, and even up until recent times, they've had to cancel events or move stuff around because there's there's no one that wants to work. And that's in Eolia, uh, a fairly small town, but like that bar pays well, they pay very competitively. And if you're a bartender or a server, you're making good money because they're busy. Yeah, they are. Uh, yeah, they're always very yeah. busy, and yeah. um, I know for a fact, as as someone that's worked in the industry in a long time, the back of that kitchen pays better than any other business in that area, any yeah. other restaurant business in that area, yeah. by a good amount, and yet still people are not going, and and yet here we have other other nations where it's damn near twenty dollars to buy basic fruit right you know to feed your family and it's just it's a shame and uh you know unfortunately for the foreseeable future unless someone really does step up um could be looking could be looking pretty ugly here in the, in the coming weeks and months yeah so yep. this is you know there's people that would love the opportunity to be here and they would love to work mm-hmm. here um yep. and they can't so it's like you know, what do you do? And that, and not, but again, not to get into another topic, but I mean, this was, this kind of leads back into our conversation from last week, Travis, when we talked about, this is the underlying factor on the whole voter reform thing is because people, well, we don't want illegals vote. I mean, to me, that turns up a lot of anti-immigrant, you know, well, if you're an immigrant, you must be voting illegally or something like that too. So, you know, same. yeah, right. yeah. Well, it's, it's, it'd be one of those sad things where all over we see these signs, you know, now hiring, help needed, help needed, now hiring. And then after two weeks of starting to see people with brown skin and, and different facial features, the first thing you'd hear is, oh, they're just taking our jobs. Uh, you know, we can't have her. They're just taking our jobs. Well, there's a misconception, too, that everybody has a different ethnicity in the United States is illegal or they're not here properly. Like, there's a huge stigma with especially some people of South American ethnicity that are here. It's like, yep. uh, he's, he must be illegal. And Mm-hmm. Well, I noticed that a lot. The stereotype with it is ridiculous. I noticed that a lot here. I mean, I've always wondered that here in Louisiana, but being a part now, just, I mean, I've only been here for three weeks now, but still, I mean, you hear the undertone in like your gas stations or when, 
Mexicans are, you know, they're Mexicans or Guatemala. There's a lot of, I was surprised at the amount of Guatemalans that are in Louisiana. But when you hear them <laughs> speaking Spanish, and I mean, I'll catch the eyes of some people in the store kind of, you know, looking over them with that scowl like, y'all better be speaking American in here. You know, <laughs> that kind of mentality, you know, so. I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's, I, a, it's a stigma that we need. I mean, we are a, I'll say the cliche thing, but we are a nation of immigrants. I mean, unless you're yes. native, unless you are a 100% full-blooded native American, you have, we have no right to say, Oh, we got to, you know, we got to cut back. We got to watch this immigration things. I mean, think about for the hundreds of years, the hundreds of years that we were coming here, unchecked we were coming here and claiming land as our own that wasn't our own and we were you know I, we have to really look in the mirror and say okay well immigrants you go home I'm sure there's a group of Native Americans say oh, huh, you go home too you know yeah. hey don't get it twisted this is the United States where you can be 0% Native American claim it get a scholarship for it and run as a presidential candidate claiming to be native American. And then when your 23 and me DNA test comes out, Elizabeth Warren, <laughs> you are about as native. <sighs> oh, man, oh, man. Good stuff. Good stuff. Well, gentlemen, um, I, I, I think we're coming up on a, about an hour and a half here. Uh, yep. Matt, I wanted to say thank you again so much. I, your, your presence with your words, uh, and you're not you're not hard on the eyes too. So by the way, did you up, did uh, you did you see the background? Did you see the background behind him there, Sean? I don't yeah, know. I did. Yeah. Matt went over and above tonight to make sure that yeah. he had the. Uh, when when Travis and I saw that before we signed on tonight, and I said, "What in the world is that behind you?" Yeah. I mean, I, the, I changed it because my wife was going to be standing behind me, and I said, "You know, sweetheart, you're not quite camera ready." Uh, so, let me stick this one out, and you know, if I get asked back again, maybe, maybe, maybe. But I was like, you're, you're over your skis a little bit, sweetheart. Uh, so, stay in your lane, oh baby. God. Stay in your lane, please. They they asked me. I'm the eye candy here. Uh, love the enthusiasm, though. Love the enthusiasm. But no, honestly, seriously, guys, it, it is a pleasure again to be with you all. I love the conversation and uh, have always enjoyed my time with y'all. And you will, you yes, we will, will, we will definitely have you back. Always. Good. Yes. And, and, and sooner yes. rather than later, it is, it is always oh, a pleasure. Oh, uh, as, as they say, the whites are always stronger in force. So we'll, um, <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll keep it that way. Great. Great. God. Thank you for joining us on our last episode of. Yeah. yeah. Oh, no, Travis, Andy, are there are there anything you guys would like to sign out with no, tonight? No, thanks a lot, guys. Appreciate it. No, it was yeah. thanks. Thanks for everybody listening. Thanks, Matt, yeah. for coming on. It was a good Absolutely. time. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. And, you uh, again, thank you all so much for for listening. It was great to be back this week. Um, again, make sure if you don't yet, please, please, please check us out on uh, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Podbean, YouTube, wherever you do your listening, right here on Facebook Live as well. And then once the show is completed, your the video stays up, and you're more than welcome to watch. Uh, again, we do appreciate your guys' support. Um, we'll let you guys know. 
soon who our, our next guest might be and matt uh, I, I can assure you we'll definitely have you back on sooner rather than later my friend uh, thank you all so much this has been the voice of reason podcast and we finally got it done here on a monday for, for the first time in a while so we appreciate you all and i can't wait to talk to you guys next week we'll see you again soon